0: I'm Barry Hamaguchi.
1: And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind
0: our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. In part two of the episode Britney vs. Christina, Jason tells us about Christina Aguilera's foray into the world of Sia-penned pop songs with 2010's You Lost Me. All right, hit it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold on. No, don't, don't. You don't have to hit it. I was just... No, my, my maybe, hair maybe is... She, just... Let me cue up this song. I'm going to...
1: You t- you lost me?
0: Yeah, I'm going to okay. bask. Okay.
1: So, okay. Today, I am also going to talk about um a song written by Sia... Um, I'm going to talk about the song You Lost Me by Christina Aguilera, which was the third single from her sixth studio album, Bionic, which was released in 2010. And I'm not going to go into a full background on Christina, because if you don't know who she is, I don't know why you're even listening to this podcast, but but just some, some key bullets that I think kind of set the stage for Bionic, um, set the stage for this song, and sort of like why it didn't perform, uh, in my opinion. Um, so, you know... Christina Aguilera famously was a uh, cast in the Mickey Mouse Club. She 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 was in the same group with Ryan Gosling, Carrie Russell, Britney Spears, and Justin Timberlake. Um, so she was Carrie on Russell
0: that- was part of the older cast. But well, I was I I refrained yeah. from talking about the Mickey Mouse Club in uh, my Britney Spears segment because I really want to do a Mickey Mouse Club episode, but. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it was Britney Spears, I think, who famously came in and um, came in at the last minute. And her audition happened right before Jessica Simpson's disastrous audition. And Jessica Simpson, when she saw Britney come in, was like, oh, this girl is me. Like, because prior to that, like, Christina and whoever else was in the show, like... They weren't really in her lane, like the sweet
0: southern yeah. girl. They were they were very similar. I mean, yeah. Britney Spears, though, Britney Spears first auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club when she was eight years old, when mm. the new Mickey Mouse Club first launched, and she was told that she was too young. So mm. by the time that she was 12, um, She'd she matured. auditioned again. Yes, mature mature uh artistry. Yeah. You know that in the interim, she had like actually moved to New York to like attend like a performing arts school. I heard that, yeah. In my in my mind of Britney Spears being a completely untrained person, and then to realize like, oh, she as a child, like she was like in an off Broadway play and shit like that and was like quote unquote trained in some way. Shocking. Shocking to me. Anyway, well, so but we're so, not here to talk about Britney Spears anymore. We're
1: talking no, about Christina. so so Christina was in the um, Mickey Mouse Club, and then after that, you know, she was shopping for a record deal, and um, Mulan was coming out, and they were looking for someone to sing the 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 radio version of Reflections, the theme, the main song from from Mulan, and so famously, and I remember this from VH1's Behind the Music, um, mm-hmm. Christina figured out that the high note in Reflections was the same as the high note that Whitney hits in Run to You from the bodyguard soundtrack and so she taped herself singing Run to You and she kept practicing that in the shower taped that taped herself singing that sent it off to Disney and they hired her to do the song that's how she got on the song so wow. I Re- mean you know, she's like
0: a House of Mouse kind of House of Mouse there was that's a connection funny, but
1: she wasn't she wasn't still part of the label she had left
0: Yeah Yeah I mean they they all got sent away from Mm -hmm. the Mickey Mouse Club, I think when they were like 13. Mm -hmm. So this would have been like a couple years later. You know what's funny is my recollection of that is that um, it might have been like a Christina Aguilera behind the music or something, but like her telling that story where she's on the phone and someone is asking if she can hit like a high E flat Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she runs to her mom and asks her mom, like, can I hit a high E flat? And then she's like all excited and screaming, Mm -hmm. but... I remember there was much yeah. made of the high note required to sing yeah. Reflections.
1: Well, and I think, you know, this... Reflection? This Reflection... Takes this reflection. Uh, re- <laughs> reflection or reflections? I don't even know. I wrote reflections down
0: reflections is a Diana Ross song.
1: <laughs> reflections of how it used to be. <laughs> um, but I think I think it's it's all instructive in sort of this idea of like who Christina is and who she set out to be, because I think you know in ninety that that was in ninety eight and reflection is. It's a ballad. I mean, it's a straightforward ballad, but it's from a movie musical. Like, it's 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 very um, traditional in its construction. Um, you know, but she it's definitely gets a this. vocal
0: showcase.
1: It's a vocal showcase, and it's it, it becomes in 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 distinct contrast to when her album comes out the following year. So. She, so she does Reflection with Disney, She signed, and then Britney Spears comes out with Oops, I Did It Again. And there's this rush, as you talked about, this teen pop craze. And RCA was like, okay, we've got this singer, Christina, we don't care what you're going to do. Like, You had just done a ballad, everyone knows you from Mulan, but we're going to make you our Britney Spears. And so the yeah. first song that she releases is Genie in a Bottle. And that was that was before the album even came out, but it's a much sexier like it's a very sexy teen
0: bronze princess thing,
1: you know, of the of that yeah. of
0: that vein. Um there was something cooler about Christina Aguilera. So edgier for sure. And Genie in a bottle than Britney mm-hmm. Spears. Um it was more I remember sensual. even back I remember even back then. In interviews, her expressing her desire to just belt and show Mm -hmm. off her vocal acrobatics, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that her label was very much like, no, trust us. like This is the avenue for you. I think because, again, it goes back to this, a certain level of unimaginativeness on the part of record labels Mm -hmm. that... You know they didn't think britney spears would work as a solo artist because there had been no solo female pop vocalists mm-hmm. for the past 10 years right you're looking at like paula abdul and then you and then it's like what's that donna lewis i love you always forever mm-hmm. robin well, yeah. when robin was a pop when when yeah, robin yeah. was more of like yeah, a Mandy yeah, Moore yeah. sounding singer yeah do you remember those songs uh-huh, i love those songs yeah, so once Britney Spears suddenly proves the formula, once Britney Spears is able to be like, look, like there's a thirst for pure bubblegum mm-hmm. pop from mm-hmm. a teenage girl. Suddenly it's like everyone else is like, okay, great. Now let's unleash our mm-hmm. legions of bubblegum teenage girls yeah. even if they're not bubblegum teenage yeah. girls.
1: Well, and what's interesting though is that like in contrast, well, uh, Not in contrast. Well, I guess for me it was kind of in contrast to Britney. They were playing (laughs) in the same sandbox, right? and 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 doing bubblegum pop. But the the singles from um, her debut album, Christina Aguilera, G Need a Bottle, What a Girl Wants, Come On Over, I Turn to You. She's able her voice set her apart from that pack really quickly. Right. So she's doing she's doing the bubblegum pop, but like she's even within that pop, like you can hear her her voice. And then, you know, with I Turn to You, um, that that ballad, she ends up winning the best new artist Grammy that year. Um, ninety nine. So like she's she's kind of it sort of legitimizes that aspect of like Yeah. Right? I
0: think it I mean, I think that it cements the it cements the Britney versus Christina narrative, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Whereas all of the other acts that follow them, kind of become lost to the ages. Yeah. In different ways, like Mandy Moore is known more as an actress yeah. now. Well, than and as I, a think, I think it's the the fact that, I think the Grammy gave her that legitimacy. Britney and Christina had the most distinctive takes, kind of on opposite ends of a pop spectrum. Mm-hmm. That Christina is very. Distinctive vocally in a particular way Britney's is equally distinctive Vocally but in a completely different Way like if you don't like singing (laughs) If you (laughs) want to be able to sing along with a Song choose Britney Spears I mean maybe for, well, I mean, maybe, okay. I mean, I know maybe you can no, sing along I mean, this, with Christina Aguilera, no, but, like, but not all of it? us can sing along with Christina Aguilera. I'm <laughs> sorry. This goes along with like Paula Abdul. I'm like, I mean, I'm a full grown adult man, and I can sing um, "Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman" yeah. from start to finish in Britney Spears' key.
1: That is true. Okay, look, look. <laughs> there are those Keep people. Going. I mean, is this the like I want to vote for a president I can have a beer with versus like? <laughs> you know is that this discussion but but i think what's interesting so so you know christina aguilera sort of takes her like when she started she wanted to be a ballad singer right mm-hmm. clearly she she was like i want to be the heir to like whitney mariah like all these things britney mm-hmm. has a different approach right like that's britney just wanted very wanted to
0: be a janet jackson paula abdul yeah, yeah which which are
1: both valid and i think it's like you can see christina like kind of pull like through the songs like it's it is coming through it's almost like an adult contemporary version of that pop teen pop idol she's in the, in the definitely
0: even in something like genie in the bottle you mm-hmm. can tell she's trying to vocally show off and and i think she's that's trying also, to show i am bigger than this song, exactly and i think the the,
1: the problem or, or one of the things with christina is like she has that ability but that desire to just she has to show you that she can sing mm-hmm. this way um, leads to excess, which is also her downfall. And so, you know, so so, so, she, so she wins the best new artist Grammy. Uh, the the In 2001, she collaborates with Pink, Maya, Lil' Kim and Missy on uh, Lady Marmalade for the Moulin Rouge soundtrack, which won the Grammy for best pop collaboration with vocals. So now she's got two Grammys um, within two years. Um, I, I believe you hate the, this version of the song. Is that correct? I. It's disgusting. <laughs>
0: it's disgusting.
1: I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I like seek it out. I do remember being at Rage R.I.P. Um, oh. And they would play that video, the video of either the video or of their VMA's performance. Or was it the Grammy performance? I don't remember. Like the live performance. And I just remember this was also when Christina came out looking like D. Snyder. Like she's at the head of the brothel or whatever. And it was like, it was, it was where you were like, okay, I love her voice, but I
0: question her taste. Yes, definitely. And, and her but runs my, are Lady like, Marmalade, oh, Lady Marmalade, I'm still, I can't, I can't get over what garbage that cover of Lady Marmalade. I guess to me, you hear, okay, the original mm-hmm. LaBelle version of Lady Marmalade is so good. Mm-hmm. So iconic. Yeah. Then you hear Missy Elliott is going to remake it for uh, Moulin Rouge, Mm -hmm. Baz Luhrmann. So to me, like you get Baz Luhrmann, Missy Elliott, you think of this combination of things and you suddenly imagine some major reinvention of this song. You think it's going to be magical and it's not. It's pop garbage. And it's not better than the original.
1: I don't think it's better than the original. I don't know that I think it's
0: pop garbage, but I also but to think about to think about what Missy Elliott was doing and yeah. what Baz Luhrmann's movies looked like. You would have thought they would have come up with something that was unexpected in the pop realm of the time. Yeah, and it d- it just felt very expected is is my point. Okay, and is thus garbage because okay. I had high expectations for it at the time. Okay.
1: Sorry. No, that's fine. I'm not going to die on that hill. So, I'm going to move on. Um yeah, move on. the following year, uh 2002, stripped saw the debut of Xtina, which was Christina's like dark-haired raunchy alter ego. Um I think she's wearing like chaps and a thong or something on the <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No it, we, top, know, just no hair. T- yeah, yeah, and um it featured the song Dirty, which I loved. Like to be yeah. to be fair, that was a good song to dance to. Beautiful, it's good, it's Fighter, Can't Hold Us Down, and The Voice Within. Um, there are a lot of... Real, uh, uh, those songs are fine. I mean, those are good songs. Let me clarify. Those are good songs. But there are some songs on that album that I really love that were not... I don't think they were singles, but there's a um, collaboration with Alicia Keys called Impossible um, on that album, which I I really love. Um,
0: with it's
1: this thing about Christina. I think it's where it's like you saw it with uh, Mulan with uh, Lady Marmalade and sort of this over the top madam image that she was going for. And then you see it with Stripped where it's this like dirty, grungy, you know, the dark, it's just like yeah. the very, very she's going early all, 2000s. She's
0: going all in. She's really committing she's to these all image going in. Changes.
1: But then like she pulls out some of these other songs on the album that are like way more sensitive and soulful that like uh, you know it's it starts where i'm kind of like this thing for me and i think you see it play out in her subsequent albums where it's like schizophrenic you're like who there's this there's there's like the singles that are released and they're like this and then there's like these cuts that are like clearly like what she loves doing that are mm-hmm. like not softer but like are like the ballads and stuff like that. I mean, I, I turn to you as a ballad yeah. and, and that's all well and good. And it's, it's a good song and, and you know, the, the song fighter and beautiful, which was famously was written by Linda Perry. Linda Pink Perry. wanted it. Um, Linda Perry said, no, this song is for me. I won't give it to anyone. And then she gave it to, <laughs> then she gave it to Christina. And I think that's why Pink and Linda Perry don't work together anymore. If, if I
0: remember. Yeah. I mean, after, I mean, it's one of those things where, pink you know kind of popularized working with linda perry yes right when pink was trying to move herself out of the r&b space yeah. that la reed had kind of put her into she worked with linda perry and then um that i think linda perry got a lot of success after that worked with christina Aguilera, and then um the follow-up album that Pink did um, is the one where she famously did not work with Linda Perry. Mm-hmm. That was the one with like God as a DJ. Yeah. That flopped. You know, mm-hmm. People were like, what did Pink just do? Mm-hmm. I think people feel, felt like after Pink and Linda Perry um, had that falling out, they were like, is Pink ever going to be the same? Mm. You know?
1: Well, and it's interesting because Linda Perry's influence, like Christina, you know, she was so polished. I think you know, Gene. Uh, Christi- The Christina Aguilera debut sort of it had that really high pop sheen, and I guess you know maybe if you if you look at it in the in the timeline and in contrast to like Britney's sort of pop image and Christina's, or whether it was the label or it was Christina herself, you know, wanting to really differentiate the two, um, and her being like aggressively sexual and sort of just kind of grungy um you know in collaborating with linda perry i think this is the album where where um christina started you know using scratch vocals and sort of like the raw vocals in um in 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 the recordings you know a lot of mm-hmm. times like the 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 in pop particularly they, they wouldn't use those initial vocals um for the actual song but she started to use that to, to bring more texture and more, like, yeah. maybe authenticity and, and emotion into some of the, the songs that she was I doing. remember her
0: saying that in this period of time, like, she was in the studio with Linda Perry and she would be, like, laying down on a couch under a blanket yeah. laying down some of these vocals and that those are the vocals that went into the final track. Because I think that was for Beautiful. She did. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, I mean, I, I, I think... I think that, that that really comes through on this album. I think I think it's a great album and it's this, you know, it it put her in this new light. I think there are some really good songs. It it further cemented that she was a success, that she was a she was a force to be reckoned with and her voice sounds beautiful. Um following that 4 years later she had 2006 back to basics and she debuts another new look and it's like references old hollywood like lana turner um i don't you know, know a, what she w- was thinking what's funny is so so she has an old hollywood look she debuts um ba- a character baby jane or like a like a, a persona based on the character baby jane from whatever happened to baby jane um wait really for like some of the videos yeah yeah
0: I, I didn't like, really full get on, that. Full on like spider eyelashes and yeah, like yeah, yeah, clumpy guess. mascara. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I uh,
1: for, for the Candyman Man video or for the Ain't No Other Man I just remember, video.
0: I just remember thinking, what, "What? how did we get from strip to back to basics? I
1: think, and so so this is part of how the did thing her, with la- How
0: did her label, okay, a double disc 22, yeah. 22 track was, album?
1: Would we talk about excessive this is what we mean with Christina and i think there is some good there's some good songs on here like i love ain't no other man and i love but but in particular there's a song on here called makes me want to break down and pray mm-hmm. um which is one of my favorite christina songs and one of my i used to go running to that song it's 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 a really good song has steve winwood on the piano um it's fantastic
0: um but yeah it's it's it it, it it's a lot it's a lot this is this is where when you talk about Christina Aguilera constantly feeling like she needs to prove her vocal prowess, prove that she can hit the high note and reflection Mm -hmm. belt all the time. And her label constantly trying to be like, well, this is the pop single. This is the pop single. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Just this unedited unfettered 22 track monstrosity. (laughs) And they it don't just really expresses yeah. it expresses everything that I feel about Christina Aguilera is that like she just wants to show it all all the time. You know? Yeah,
1: and I think, you know, what's interesting is that like it they don't really relate the two albums. Mm-hmm. Right, like, or they're supposed to, but they don't really, and it's it's supposed to have like all these influences from like the twenties through the fifties, and I, I get some of that, and I like a lot of it. I mean, it, and it was popular. I mean, ain't no other man earned her another Grammy for best female pop vocal performance, so she's had at least a Grammy on everything that. Oh well. Stripped. I don't. I don't think there were Grammys for Stripped, but um, oh really? I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm, don't don't. Maybe for beautiful. Don't, don't hold you to that. Don't hold me to it. I didn't <laughs> actually look that up. I'm just you know, it was. <laughs> I, the reason I looked at Back to Basics is because it it's the album immediately preceding Bionic, but um, you know, she won a Grammy for this. The resulting tour was the highest-grossing solo female tour of 2007. So she's like on a roll. It resonated, mm-hmm. but I think that there. are, you know, similar to what we were talking about when we were talking about Mariah and like her her output after two thousand five, there's sort of a an unevenness, and I feel like that with Christina albums where there's like, I, I don't know how all of the songs always all relate. There are definitely some songs that I really love. There's a lot that I don't. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's there's she experiments. I don't know that it always is successful, but you know she's 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 doing different things. But again, this is a completely new persona right? Now she's the blonde bombshell. And it's, uh, you know, in the, in the classic forties Hollywood sort of sense of that word.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in, in relation to that lack of continuity with Christina Aguilera, she also in contrast to Britney Spears has a a less frequent, less frequent release schedule. Yeah, for sure. Britney Spears in those early days was releasing an album every 18 months, Mm -hmm. like without fail. Yeah. I mean, there were four years through, between stripped and back. She chain, gets so. through f- like four albums in five years, basically. Mm-hmm. But Christina is taking the time, it yeah. seems. And the results are expressing perhaps everything that happened in the intervening four years. Who knows? Right? Well, it,
1: Yeah. I mean, but it, it's interesting because it's like it is and it's not. It's, it's not necessarily <laughs> like it's like with, with Britney Spears. It's like it's not necessarily personal, but there's a lot of material. That yeah. was developed, right? Or or it's it's not that it wasn't good, but like I don't know how much it relates to like whatever was going on. Like that, you know, that's yeah. that's not really that what it kind of reminds
0: there. me of is like imagine if Mariah Carey had recorded that alternative song and just decided that because it was in existence, that she wanted to include it on her album, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, Christina Aguilera needs a little bit of that editing. Uh, mindset to realize like I, I love everything I've ever created mm-hmm. but if I want to make a cohesive set a set that in and it is in and of itself like a great set of songs I need mm-hmm. to kind of kill my darling sometimes yeah.
1: yeah or yeah it's just the editing right that she needs yeah and, and so you know that was back to basics and I think because the to your point there were 22 songs she could take four years before you know Uh, Bionic was released and um, In those four
0: years I still hadn't gotten to the end of Back to Basics
1: (laughs) Well you know a lot happened in those four years and we'll talk about it really quickly but um, you know in 2010 she releases Bionic and she also starred in what I'm calling Camp Classic Burlesque with Cher, um, she plays Allie Rose, um, she, who quits her bar service job and moves to LA, where she aspires to be a performer in a burlesque club owned by Tess Scali played by Cher. And famously, it's one of the um, one of the only movies where air rights, which are the rights to the air above your building.
0: Mm-hmm. factor
1: heavily in the resolution of the movie.
0: I don't so remember bas- the movie <laughs> at all. Yeah. So,
1: so like basically what happens is like if in LA, like,
0: I mean, I'm familiar you, with the concept of air rights right, because right. of an episode of elementary. <laughs> Cause that factored into a murder on elementary, but I don't remember this factoring into burlesque. I actually don't remember anything about burlesque except
1: Well, it's a struggling club. It's a struggling club. Kristen Bell plays like a drunk and a mean drunk and she's funny. Kind of the hole. Cam Gigandet? Gigandet? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's kind of cute, right? Like, he's nice. He wears mascara. He's supposed to be like um, sensitive. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but basically, you know, someone wants to buy the the, the club and, you know, from Tess and the kind of keeps hounding her for the money but what they figure out is there's a condo development going up across the street and if you know the the club is sold and the developer gets their wish and puts another skyscraper there um it will block the view of all of the condos that are going up. So what the what they pitch is the condo then purchases the air rights, the rights to the air, the developable uh, above air the, above the above club, the strip club. Yes, which then finances the club so it doesn't close. And it's one of those <laughs> crazy it's like who wrote this? But like you know I re- I that that movie is really fun for me. Um so the so- There's a song in the movie called "Bound to You," which was also co- which was co-written by Sia and Samuel Dixon, who co-wrote four of the songs on Bionic, including "You Lost Me." Um, the song was nominated for a golden globe for best original song and it's it's another perfect example of why i believe Sia and Christina Aguilera partnership works so well and so we'll talk about that but like again t- 2011 she she performs the national anthem at the super bowl she flubs the lyrics and has to apologize um that becomes like a big thing for her um she what she, word did she mess up she, she it was like or the ramparts we watched um
0: was it a big deal? It was supposed like, to be, I or being da- kind of yeah. like really, yeah. she has to apologize. For apparently, this?
1: Like... apparently, like people in the stadium were just horrified. It took over like Twitter and just yeah. you know, people are t- whatever. She was like, "Look, it's I'm fine. sorry." It was, but I mean, look, at least she sang it live. Yeah. Um, she then kicks off. You know, probably what she's most known for in the last ten years is um being a judge on The Voice for at least six seasons that started in 2011. Um, 2012, she released her seventh studio album, Lotus. And then her most recent album was 2018's Liberation, which I'm not sure anyone knows
0: happened. I love the song, um, Accelerate. I know people hate that song. I was going to say. That song flopped, but... Yeah, it's not great. But,
1: I mean, in my opinion. But, like, I I, I have gone back to listen to some of those. Anyway, so... That's just kind of a brief sort of this is who Christina is, right? Like this is, this is sort of like the the things going into the release of Bionic. So Bionic was the sixth studio album, as I said. It follows 20, 2006's successful album, Back to Basics. Um, again, she won a Grammy for that. Um, uh, In 2008, she released a Greatest Hits compilation with two new tracks that teased an Electronica-influenced direction for her next album. Those two new tracks were Keeps Getting
0: Better and Dynamite. I don't know if you remember those. I mean, I remember Keeps Getting Better. I Mm -hmm. remember that it was either a VMAs or a MTV Movie Awards where she did a debut performance of those. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes. This yes. is where, okay, and she came out in, like, kind of a poofy blonde wig. I want to say uh-huh. there was, like, an elevator set, like, a scaffolding uh-huh. that she was performing off of. Yeah. And um, my recollection from my view on, like, the pop cultural blogosphere was people were like, oh, Christina Aguilera is just ripping off of Lady Gaga. Yes.
1: And so this is Almost what immediately. Yeah, immediately. And that's actually, so, so that's actually a little bit later. That happens in t- 2010, really. In 2008, like, Keeps Getting Better. I remember better it, I, I remember or maybe it after it was bef- that, Keeps well, Getting cause Better. Well, because the VMA's the, but, performance literally was Literally, at the time that they did
0: Keeps Getting Better, mm-hmm. and um people were like, she's ripping off Lady Gaga. I was like, yeah. who the hell is Lady I don't,
1: Gaga? I don't remember <laughs> if she performed it at the time, right? But I know, because I know she performed... um not Myself Tonight which was the lead single from Back to Basics at the VMAs and she had she it was it was a it was like a three it was a three song medley and that immediately people were like mm-hmm. that's when it it kind of really blew up further but so the the it, going backwards a little bit she teases this sort of electronica she's going to do like an electronica infused album um she she the previous album back to basics had been the 40s thing the album before that had been sort of her raw and bronchy stripped sort of era so there's sort of this like disjointedness we talked about about like who is christine egg like what what is like does she just put on a new thing for every album um yeah. Bionic was intended to be sort of another reinvention. And she says that it was like the birth of her son, Max, inspired her to experiment. And her husband at the time encouraged her to reach out to artists and musicians herself rather than going through the the labels A&R. So basically, you know, she, she said at the time, she said, I'm... I went into each of these partnerships saying, I'm a really big fan of yours and I'm interested in stepping to your world and what you do. I want to combine that with my sound and let's see what happens. And then she said, you know, like I feel like I can do so much with my voice, I would be so bored sitting on a stool singing ballad after ballad just because I can. That's a very Christina quote. But I think <sighs> but I think it's it's really interesting <clears throat> because when we talk about, in addition to Sia, the other collaborators on the album were Ladytron. There gold frap, which the album, mm-hmm. the record, the that track never actually made it on the album, but MIA, Santa Gold, and Latigre, right? So there was all this buzz about like who she was working with. Like these are, especially in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. These are very that sort of pop, like indie electronic, uh, indie electronic pop, wasn't as mainstream, wasn't like as in mm-hmm. the mainstream as now, and it was very edgy for her. But also, you know there's a lot of sort of skepticism with someone like Christina Aguilera talking about this, especially in light of sort of Lady Gaga and her sort of futuristic space disco pop sort of thing that was going on. Um, She was making a real impact at the time. And for someone like Christina, who almost from the beginning seemed to be putting on different personas with each album, I think there was a lot of questions about like, okay, okay, is this authentically you? Because she made a big deal about like, these are artists that I love and I really listen to. Yeah. Right. And so you're like, well, do you, or, you know, and then, and she didn't help matters by, with the first single from, um, Bionic. When the first single comes out, it's not myself tonight. And it's not particularly, it's, it's got a lot of synths, but I wouldn't call it like electronica. It's a very yeah. like pop, of the time sort of song and in the video it's basically a straight up homage to Madonna's Express Yourself and Human Nature videos she's like in sort of leather or latex um, you know S&M gear and she's crawling around on the floor she's like licking milk out of a bowl on the like a cat yeah. bowl on the,
0: it was I think because there was such a big amount of time between Back to Basics and Bionic and there had been so much written about what Christina Aguilera was working on potentially Mm -hmm. with those kind of out of the box collaborations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the time this came out. Yeah. I can see, I can see the connection that people are making to this being kind of a Lady Gaga ripoff.
1: Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga ripoff, but also like, this doesn't sound like what you talked about doing. Like your vision for the album. Like, is this what you think
0: a Lady Tron song sounds like? Yeah. (laughs) And you're like,
1: this is what you came got out of that. And uh, Not Myself Tonight was not my favorite. I mean, it's an okay song, but it's like, it, it feels just very of the moment. And then when you listen to it, you're like, okay, if like Lady Gaga was doing like disco stick and shit at the time, like I can see why that sounded fresher and this feels derivative. Mm-hmm. Right because it's it's very much of the machine. It doesn't have that sort of fresh edge to it that Lady Gaga was kind of bringing. Um, the the album itself debuted at number three. But fell to number nine in its second week and number twenty-two by its third week of release. And in the UK, it became the it became the lowest selling UK albums chart number one album in eight years. But the rec- <laughs> but for you, the record was later broken by Marina and the Diamonds <laughs> in twenty twelve.
0: So I thought that was funny. Um, I mean, that's like the saddest thing when people need to feel the need to be like, "Well, it was a number one album, but it was the lowest selling number yeah, one album yeah, in history." Yeah. Well,
1: and then in the album's second week on that chart, it made the UK album's chart history when, on June 20th, it registered the largest drop in chart history for a number one album by falling 28 places to number 29.
0: They just didn't want good things for Christina They didn't. I mean,
1: people were not here for it. And, uh, you know, I remember at the time being like, what is this album? Like, I, I liked some of it, but, like, I was really excited by the collaborations, but I... You know, there was the every everything about it just felt a little derivative from the album artwork, where she's like sort of an it's like it's a it's a image of her face that's sort of bisected, and on one side it's like you know you see her face beautifully coiffed, platinum hair pulled back, deep red lipstick. On the other half of her face, it's like a robot, and. I just felt like, well, Janelle Monae has kind of played with this like Android thing for a while. Like it just didn't feel fresh, you know, it Mm -hmm. didn't feel like a particularly unique take, but that brings me to one of the, my favorite songs on this album. And one of my favorite Christina songs ever It's you lost me. And, um, Christina to me is a ballad queen. You lost me and bound to you, which was from burlesque, which I mentioned, um, which was released later that year um, are two of my favorites. And Christina, so, you know, as part of the, this, this, the part of her vision for the album being like partnerships with different musicians, she emailed Sia um, and asked her to collaborate. And um, Sia tells, Sia talks about getting that email and, you know, being a little skeptical at first that like Christina actually knew who she was, but mm-hmm. um, Christina had said, you know, Breathe Me, one of Sia's songs, it was one of her favorite songs. Um, And, you know, Sia was like, yeah, well, everyone loves that song because it was in the Six Feet Under finale, right? Like it was huge (laughs) at the time. But she also talks about how then Christina went on to say Destiny and Distractions, two songs from her time with Zero Seven, were also two of her favorites, as well as a song called Moon, which she was like, no one ever knows that song. And it's one of my favorite songs, but like she mentioned it specifically. So it kind of opened her up to the possibility. Of collaborating, and at the time, like Sia, Sia, you and I have talked about this. Like she's, she had, um, you know, she'd, ha- she was on her fourth or fifth studio album at that point, and she was sort of well, she was becoming well known in the indie, indie pop sort of space, I guess, for lack of a better. It was like I mean, alternative she was like, an N- she was
0: like an NPR darling. Yeah. 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 In a lot of ways. Um, Critical darling I mean, by, what like by 2010 when Bionic comes out, she had already released um some people have real problems. Yeah. And, and the other one. And the yeah. What was their second album? What was that P- the pink album with Yeah, her, yeah, like yeah, with yeah, f- yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
1: um, Yeah, it was the the one with buttons on it. And I am blanking on that. Clap right your now. hands. Clap right. your hands. Yeah, I think so. The one that we went to go no, see that her was show. That
0: wasn't. That was the name of the song. God damn it! I'm just gonna look it up. It's fine. Yeah, just we are the, born. Yeah, we are yeah, born. We are born. in 2010, the same yeah. year as this song.
1: The same as this song. And so I remember being really excited to hear that Sia was going to be collaborating with Christina because Sia, at, by that point, I you know a couple of her albums I'd been listening to, and um, she was one of my favorite artists, and mm-hmm. such a unique. Songwriting perspective, such a unique voice and such unique phrasing, and and so Christina, you know, really, she flew her out to her L, to her house in L.A. to write, and she was there for a while to write. Um, Sia saw it as a respite from her increased fame. Um, at uh, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. This is just before or right around the time that um, Titanium comes out. I think it's just before Titanium comes out. Um, I
0: think it's right before. Because um, We Are Born is released in 2010. Bionic is released in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Titanium is 2011. You know, reportedly, like, before, like, you know, because Sia had had so much success with um, Breathe Me from Six Feet Under, Mm -hmm. And I think there was an expectation that she was going to follow up, follow that up with greater success. And she released two albums after that, that really didn't make any pop impact in the United States. Yeah. And reportedly like she was looking to actually just walk away from her singing career at that point. And she didn't want a public um, life. Yeah. And then titanium titanium comes out in 2011. Mm -hmm. And that is what, really brings Sia kind of back from the dead. Well, and right? she, talk, well, she talks obviously, about Obviously... Like, oh, I was right. gonna say, obviously her early collaborations here with Christina Aguilera bore no fruit. Well, but for her,
1: to hear her talk about it, that was exactly all she wanted to be doing. She wanted to transition mm-hmm. to pop songwriting because even with her previous two albums not being huge successes like commercially or like giving her renown, it gave her enough... No, like uh notoriety, I guess that like she was being recognized and it made her really uncomfortable and really unhappy. And mm-hmm. because of the trajectory that she was on, she she sort of dealt with that anxiety with drugs and alcohol. And so she didn't like what it was doing to her life. she she was looking for like the the opportunity that Christina presented was exactly what she wanted. She wanted the mm-hmm. opportunity to just write pop songs. And for other people so that they could deal with the fame and she could just, you know, do the thing that she loved. And she talks about actually being really upset when David Guetta released Titanium because, and oh, yeah. I didn't know this. I, I, I mean, I don't, I guess maybe I did know this, that it was a, it had been a demo that she recorded for Alicia Keys. And instead okay. of, I guess Alicia Keys either passed on it or the label ended up just sending it to, to David Guetta and he ended up just use he liked the song but released the version with Sia's vocals
0: from the demo on it the the version my recollection of that story i don't know about the Alicia Keys portion of it there's a Mary J Blige version of it that's really yeah. bad
1: yeah i've heard yeah i've heard that too it, it got shopped around but apparently according to Sia no one told her he was going to release the version with her on it she, yeah. her assumption was she had written it was again part of her plan to write these songs for pop stars that then, you know, she so she would, she could do her thing, but like sort of escape, sort of the scrutiny of the spotlight, She's and gonna passively collect some paychecks. Yeah, and she was like, "That's what I want to do." So, you know, Sia. The thing about Sia, is she started out with bands seeing acid jazz and reggae, and then did trip hop, jazz, and folktronica, which is, you know, um, All right. It's you know, which it, it, it's, okay, it's hard. It's it. Okay, I can. It's see hard to it. really describe to Sia's aesthetic right like you've talked about Mm -hmm. her being eccentric and and especially at that time like I I feel like it's a little less eccentric now because she's kind of her influence is everywhere but Her vocals, in particular, are singular. And there was an NPR profile in 2018 that described her as like, on the verses, she trips across syllables like skipping stones and chews vowels like gum. Vocal performance is perfectly matched to subject matter. A party-happy facade, incoherent sloshedness, then determination summed up, however briefly, from nothing. It's less song than acting. And, And there's that sort of emotive sort of I I don't know. We've, we've both seen C alive. Um, There's like a, there's so much energy and physicality Mm -hmm. in each of those performances that really come through in her vocal. And it is, it is interesting because she does kind of, she breaks up words and she breaks up phrases into sort of these unexpected melodies and just, and, and phrasing really like she'll stretch a word yeah. or she'll, or she'll shrink it or she'll, she'll, she'll highlight a specific, she'll she'll emphasize a specific syllable that you didn't think of. And it ends up being beautiful, but it's especially in 2010, this was not what you thought of when you thought of pop music, even though her voice would surprise you because she could belt like, like the rest of them. And mm-hmm.
0: so, um, I mean, I think it is that part of it is that thing of we'd gotten used to pop music lyrically being very easy to digest and mm-hmm. you kind of understand a song on first blush. Yeah. Right? Like so mm-hmm. many iconic pop songs the the hook of it is so easy to understand, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Oops I did it again or mm-hmm. like don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me or Yeah. You know, yeah, come on simple. over come on over baby. Like the hook of it is just so easy to understand. You hear one line from the song and you know what the whole song is about. But Sia introduces this idea of like, well, I'm going to introduce this refrain, you know, where you really actually have to think about what I'm saying. Yeah. Even like Titanium, like when Mm -hmm. she's, you know, understanding why the song is called Titanium and what she's saying, it takes a little bit. It's not, it's not as apparent as I think we were used to in pop music. Not to say Mm -hmm. that it's like so esoteric that you need like a degree in Russian literature or anything, but she is taking the time to you know, kind of take two, take two little lily pad jumps away from being so literal. Yeah. With all of her lyrics. And I think which, that that's what she introduces that again, Britney Spears did not have the depth to communicate <laughs> yeah, fully. But.
1: Yeah, which is which, which again goes back to sort of Sia's sort of singular talent because like as, you know, to your point earlier that you made about, you know, I'm going to mark my perfume, I'm going to mark my territory. Like it is literal, but it's also it just sounds so artless in that yeah. In that whereas whereas in all of her other stuff like Sia has this way of making it
0: She she lets you impe- know she's swinging from a chandelier. She sounds yeah. like she's swinging from a chandelier while she's yeah. singing that song. Yeah. Her vocals are, are just further- crazy. She further lets you know that, by the way, this song is about, like, struggling with alcohol addiction, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And, it, you know, what's interesting is, so so the NPR profile, and I'll post a link to it, was interesting because it's looking at this from a 2018 perspective, looking back. You know, on Sia, and saying that, you know, her voice and, and all of this should be unique, but in 2018 it's not, because now everyone kind of sounds like her. And I'd never really thought about the influence of that, but if you think of like, they, they talked about like a Selena Gomez, they talked about um, Alessia Cara, and sort of this sort of introspective pop that's sort of dreamy, has like sort of trip-hoppiness to it, um, where the lines are broken up, It's 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 personal, it's affected in a way... There's a lot of her influence that you see that really wasn't there at the time in just mainstream pop, but has huh. now become sort of the go-to for a lot of vocalists and, and
0: artists. And they mention even like I someone like Julia that, Michaels. I don't see like the Selena Gomez well, connection. I, and again, I always I'm, think of that I'm more as like it. a Lana Del Rey influence when you get kind of like the droopy, droopy slurry. I think there vocalists. is
1: that. I think there is that, but I think that Sia in particular had that droopy slurry thing, like there was a messiness almost to to the way to her songs and the way she performed them that was still very precise. Mm. Right. And again, I never it's I'm not saying that this is the be all end all, but the profile put it into like gave me another lens to look at it and thinking about how prolific as a songwriter she's been and how many demos at this point she sent out and how we know that like most artists or a lot of artists, they will just sing the demo or like try to use the demo as a model. Um, the the yeah. example they used was um, when Rihanna did Diamonds. Um, Sia, cause uh, um, the producers basically had to play the stems to show that, that, that I guess Rihanna spent two days with a vocal coach to get the, to get the vocals right Mm -hmm. to make it sound like Sia's demo. And to the point where Sia had to have the producers sort of play her the stems to prove that it wasn't her own voice on the track. That's what she talks about it because she couldn't believe that, that they had like, that someone had like twisted their voice to sound like that. Cause it's, it's very high and it's, there's like, there's high and there's this belt and it's just and it was really unlike anything rihanna had done at the time either so Mm -hmm. you know diamonds is one of those songs where i was like i didn't know rihanna was capable of that um yeah and so you know christina i think really interprets sia's words and her vocals on you lost me and bound to you the results to me are just so beautiful because the the two of them combined work so well. And, I you know, I've mentioned I've loved Sia ever since I first heard her on Zero Sevens, Distractions. I used to go to sleep to several of her songs from her 2008 album, Some People Have Real Problems. I love how she has this way of singing and writing where her voice just keeps building and the second half of the song, in some cases, it just really takes you by surprise. It just transforms. And I'll come... You know, you don't always think of her having this really powerful voice. And then you get to the second half of the song, you're like, wait, am I still, is this Sia? Wow, like I, I didn't know. Or at least for me, that was the thing. And so I think that's a perfect match for Christina because Christina is so prone to excess that there's this mm-hmm. way that Sia uses her writing to really build to something in a way that like maybe Christina just like sometimes stomps right through. And doesn't yeah. <laughs> have enough subtlety, right, to like really craft a story in her song. And yeah. I think that these ballads are so different from the like Diane Warren and Linda Perry type of pop ballads that she's used to from before. Um, they're they're more complex, and 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 in a sense, they're more acted, more well acted. I would say mm-hmm. There's, it's a real. Perf- they coax like a real performance out of Christina. Um, in a way that I think hadn't really been seen, in my opinion, from her before. Um, Sia's songs always sound so personal. And the way that the lyrics and melodies sort of twist over themselves and the way that she stresses the unusual syllables and creates words, um, it's not the clean melisma that we're used to from like Mariah and Christina in the past. um, But it's the flip side of that same coin. It's, it's, it's. It gives Christina's performance and interpretation the depth that I don't think I'd heard before. Um, so these songs came out. I was, It was really fascinating when they came out to hear essentially what I really sonically identified as a Sia song, but with Christina's voice. And Christina sounds beautiful on these songs. Um yeah. In the, in the U.S., You Lost Me debuted and peaked on the Bubbling Under Hot 100 singles chart at number 20. And it was her first U.S. single not to chart within the main Billboard Hot 100. Uh, yeah. The, the song, Bubbling Under chart is yeah. so
0: funny because they basically create a chart for everything that didn't chart. So yeah. you're like, oh, you're number 20 on the bubbling under chart means you're 120 on the hot 100. Isn't like it f- I mean, it's funny when you short. get
1: into this, when you get into the charts and I know you've mentioned this before,
0: but it's just such a, it's such a weird thing. And it's a rocket. Like they're trying yeah. to create a platform for everyone to have a, like a modicum of success.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Well, it, you so know, you this- can say like, I'm on the bobble- bu- bubbling under chart, or I'm on the heat seekers chart. Like all these charts that, I get it. Like, it's meant to... I think it's meant to also give an opportunity to um, songs and artists that don't necessarily have the promotional capabilities of a lot of, like, top 40 or hot 100 type of songs. Like, you would get indie, true indies kind of on those bubbling under and heat seeker charts. But at the same time, like, when you do have... Uh, major label, big-time artists trying to scrape at these accolades to say that, oh, this song was, you know, mm-hmm. number one on this niche chart. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's that's not an accomplishment. Anyway. It's
1: not. And I, I think it's also interesting because I don't know how it works, but it's not like people are like, oh, let me look at the bubbling under chart to see who I should be listening to. You know, like Correct. for ideas, right? Like to your point. So, you know, it peaked at number 28 on the adult contemporary chart where it remained for four weeks. Surprisingly, and this was c- caught me completely off guard. And I want to ask you about this. It was a success on the hot dance club play peaking atop that chart. I was like, dance club? So I went and Dude. there was an official release of a Hex Hector Mac Quail mm. remix of this song. And I listened to it. And it's actually pretty good. Like for like 2010 <laughs> for that kind of thing. But I was like, <laughs> did we ever hear this in a club? I I can now sort of imagine that we would have, but like I, I I do not recall. I don't recall either. And so anyway, so so that's the only place it peaked. Um in the UK, You Lost Me became Aguilera's lowest charting single in the country, only peaking at number 153.
0: So I'm glad that they track that far that far down 153. That far down, geez. they don't they don't
1: have a. It would have been the bubbling under 53. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 album and the song they weren't a success. Um, there are a lot of reasons that you know I think we touched on some of them and you you started to mention. At the 2010 MTV Movie Awards, um, Christina debuts this album or or promotes the album with a performance which featured Not Myself Tonight along with two other songs. And that again ignited accusations of copying Lady Gaga. Um, Perez Hilton famously instigated a lot of this and kept this feud Mm -hmm. going. Um, by you know saying that she was just ripping off Lady Gaga. Now Perez Hilton, it, it should it should say. Well, let me let me back up first. Perez Hilton instigated this, but but Christina may not have helped herself. Um, by because she was asked in LA Times, there there the LA Times interviewed her and asked, you know, what do you think about these comparisons to Lady Gaga? And she was like, you know, honestly, I don't even know who that is. Is that a man or a woman? Like, I'm not on the inter. I'm not really on the internet. Um, so I guess you could say I'm like living under some kind of bubble. But you know, I'm just doing my own thing. And it was what I remember actually when that came out, right? I remember when that when that interview came out, and it did seem really petty from Christina. Now, taking you know, it was it was an odd soundbite. You know, to have yeah. at the moment, it's it's not it's not very um, well crafted if you're looking at it from a PR lens. But also, just just go back to Lady Gaga in t- 2008, 2010. That was where the fame, the fame monster, were coming out. Like she truly had taken, the, was taking the world by storm at that time, and really did yeah. seem like a true innovator and like and and rising from sort of the depths right she did she she wasn't like this creation in the way that I think we understood Britney and Christina were at the time like at that point not not saying that that's not true i'm just saying that like mm-hmm. there was this whole you know she she was she was she was in the clubs all the time remember like people would see her like at Tiger Heat or whatever you know Yeah.
0: Um, there was like a i mean for some for some reason lady gaga I feel like more than anyone else prior to that or a- around that time, I feel like she had cultivated one of the biggest and first like militant fan bases mm-hmm. that we were used to, you know, you'd have your Britney super fan or your Mariah super fan or your Christina Aguilera super fan, but the little monsters movement, mm-hmm. I feel like it was like the precursor to these, very aggressive truly fervent
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: know fan groups that you get with kesha or you get with i mean now you get it with like bts right Mm. you get not just super excited screaming fans you get fans that will really go to go to town for you (laughs) you know they will they will they will run like uh what is it not lemurs what are the things that run off the edge of lemmings lemmings meerkats lemmings lemmings
1: lemmings (laughs) (laughs) um well it's you know it's 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 interesting because you know all of this is happening and it's like you know so much of our perception is just shaped by press but also like i mentioned perez hilton um you You know perez hilton
0: he famously didn't he coin the term flop tina yes
1: Yes, and he had it in for her, but so he just released, an, or he's coming out with a memoir. I don't care to know when it is, and and listeners do not go out and buy it. He's trash, very said. <laughs> but he, you know, he now claims that Lady Gaga basically coerced him into shit talking Christina. Um, you know, some Godfather while, while she was while she was like you know bullshit man because she was like, you know, so drunk and out of control or high and out of control at the time and you know, he, you know, he she didn't necessarily like they would just talk shit, you know, especially after the LA Times interview and and he she didn't necessarily tell him to do these things, but like as her best friend, he felt like it was his role to like, you know, boost her and like tear down like her perceived enemies or whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, P.S.A. In order to champion someone does not mean that you need to tear down someone else. Yeah,
1: yeah. It says a lot about who you are and what you your own values. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's so I don't even think. I mean, I think they're they're looking back at it. There's some where it's like they they there's some visual similarities maybe in their blonde popness, but like. And, and sometimes the way they sound can, there's a, in their lower registers and both of them are singing, like there might be a little bit of the same, but, but I think with Lady Gaga, like she's just so different. And even at that time, like her music was just, it was a different kind of pop. Like, like Christina, when we look at Bionic, I don't feel like it was, I understand what she was maybe trying to do. I don't feel like it was a great execution of her vision. like, Nothing on Bionic sounds, in my opinion, as good as the pop that Lady Gaga was putting out. Like, in that moment. Huh. Because I don't, I don't, I mean, let me say this.
0: I, I don't say, I want to say that however far on we are now, like a full decade on from Bionic and what would have been the, like, the fame mm-hmm. monster. Mm-hmm. I feel like Bionic has stood the test of time better than Lady Gaga's music of that era. I think certain songs
1: have. I do not think the album as a whole has. I, 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 and
0: I think I it, disagree let me, let me, with that. Well, let me put it th- this way. Let me whole, say this. Okay. I think that Bionic as a whole is not a cohesive or good album, it doesn't yes. ever fit together in the way yes. that you want to listen to it straight through. But uh-huh. I think every track individually represents something that is still very pleasant to this day. Just like not Vanity. Together. Yeah, I don't. I hate you don't, it, don't like that, that song. song. I still do. No, I still hate that song.
1: I, I and I don't even. I mean, I kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, Yeah, I hate that song. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know. There's uh, some. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, but obviously but, but subjective. But. I, I think. I think for me, it's. You know. We talked about this, Not Myself Tonight, it felt a little derivative. I don't know, it just didn't feel like, you, whether or not it's derivative, put that aside. Mm-hmm. I also do not feel like it was a good representation of the album's direction, and like, okay. like where it was going. Yeah. And like, you know, given what she had talked about and her collaborators, you know, leading up to it, you know, I thought that sort of stuff would have been better. So I think there's this sort of thing with me that I'm also adding here where it's just like, I don't understand the execution. And I don't know if that's Christina. I don't know if that's, you know, needing like to your point to put everything that she ever recorded on this album, right? And and not editing it down to be a more cohesive sort of
0: more that's cohesive what I suspect. vision. Right. Is like that, I, it, is that she sacrifices cohesion in favor of diversity. And um yeah. What this album? of oh, th- this deluxe version has twenty-four songs but on it. But the
1: deluxe version, I think, what's interesting is that has the better, that has really good songs, which were the lady Tr- was some of the Lady Tron songs, right?
0: Yeah, Monday morning, Bird of of prey, birds of prey. Birds of prey. When I remember the original release coming out, was that a lot of the songs that she had hyped up mm-hmm. and talked about in the intervening years mm-hmm. were cut from the final. Were cut from track the final. Listing.
1: And I, I, I put that as a knock. That's why I say that it wasn't that's why I think to me, like the thing the thing about it is like it's
0: Christina. <laughs> I mean like, I just I think imagine Christina has... Aguilera going to her label being like, Okay, great, I have an album done, it's got fifty seven tracks. Yeah. And then her album her her label's like, No fucking way, give us twelve. And she's like, How about thirty seven? And they're like, <laughs> Okay, how about eighteen? Yeah. And they end up with this album that has twenty four tracks on it. But I think which, but I think
1: but I think that then, like, why omit the ones that you started that you wanted to have from the beginning? Like, I, I and yeah. again, I don't I know, if, just, it's, I I don't know just if it's I don't know if her. That her label
0: probably hated all those tracks that she was. I would say up. I would say maybe, that, but also that like, her label uh, wanted like eighteen. I'm not myself tonight's. I. Right? Especially I struggle I with like I struggle time, with that because at the I don't time, I feel like Lady Tron was such an obscure reference. And I feel sure. like the type this type of music that Lady Tron is making with her was not it's it's like you could see that flopping sure. real hard I, if they tried. I,
1: I I could, I could, but I also think based on her like there's a lot you know, the reason I went over sort of like her, her history and her discography is like I'm not sure she knows What she, I I I think I think there's like warring factions where like she she wants to pursue she wants to put out this thing that she's like I am an artist and I have I have not only can I sing my face off but like I have all of this credibility in terms of my musical interests and the things that I like and I want to put out an album that that reflects that but I also want it to be number one and (laughs) I also want to be like number one in this. in this particular image and 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 so i i feel like you kind of have to go you can't set out with a purely artistic endeavor necessarily and also put on it that it has to be number 1 like like cuz cuz i think then okay. that then it's not you're not as focused on like how good it sounds you're focused on like well yeah. How do I make this a success, which is, I think, where you end up getting something like Not Myself Tonight being released, being on the album and being released and heavily promoted or not heavily promoted, but promoted to the extent that it was. Um, And then you have like You Lost Me, which like the fact that they were that that she would perform both like, (laughs) you know, like on like the American Idol finale is kind of crazy to me. Because they're, like, so wildly different. And then leave all of, like, the electronica stuff that you'd been teasing since 2008, like, for the deluxe edition, that's kind of buried. And so I think there's so many musical directions. I think the intent seemed good. Uh, You know, she... But the execution was all over the place. I think it it speaks to sort of her penchant for excess. And... Um. I think there's just a whole vibe of like the overt sexiness seems a little put on in this era because like she'd already been sort of cultivating it, but it seemed like to be taken to like a new level. And it just uh, not to say that like it's inauthentic, but I think it's very hard to understand who is Christina Aguilera authentically because she's been three different people in her three last albums. So is Mm -hmm. this like the true expression? Like if she's saying like... Is this the purest form of her artistic expression? Is this really the experimental side? It it just, I think, listening, it, and to be clear, what I'm talking about is like the perception in 2010, right? Not necessarily mm-hmm. now looking at it 10 years later. I think there's a yeah. lot of stuff there. I just feel like she's not, it's interesting because you look at someone like Beyonce who can bring in, and Beyonce is a sort of a singular artist and performer in her own right, right? We Well-recognized lover or hater, but she can bring new sounds, new artists, and new sort of iterations of herself into the mainstream and sort of craft, like through her machine and through all of these things, sort of craft this narrative and bring everyone along.
0: I I think that the difference, the differentiation with Beyonce though, is that Throughout any reinvention of Beyonce or even someone like Madonna, Mm -hmm. every reinvention has a level of focus to it. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was saying. Yes, It's kind of like Beyonce is going to be Sasha Fierce, but she's going to be 100% Sasha Fierce for this period of time. Yeah. Right. She's going to be Lemonade Beyonce 100%. She's not going to give you that album with a single ladies in it, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. And with Christina Aguilera, these reinventions feel a little muddled at all yeah. times. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, especially when it comes to the bionic era, mm-hmm. where we've just come from back to basics, where your label was complaining about how all over the place and how long that album was, Yeah, that you couldn't refine your vision down and say, this is what I want to be. I'm going to fully commit to this one thing for right now. And have that be an easy to understand chunk of my life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that, that is the thing with Bionic is that what surprised me, given that it was called Bionic, I did expect it to sound like a Lady Tron album. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised, and I but I guess it wasn't a super mainstream idea yet. I was surprised that they weren't able to take the Sia-penned songs and kind of produce them into a Ladytron song. Because mm-hmm. I guess that that whole idea of Sia songs being pop songs or electronic songs yeah. had not happened Hadn't yet. Hadn't really been done, yeah. Like we didn't have that level of imagination to yeah. think like, oh, like yeah, let's just take this Sia song and get it produced by Giorgio Moroder. And mm-hmm. it's a brand new thing that still works well which Just ends up happening well.
1: it ends up happening yeah. in 2016 i had forgotten about this song but there's telepathy that 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 um it was from the get down remember the netflix um the netflix mm-hmm. show the get down can so the canceled
0: failure canceled. Of the, show, the get down <laughs>
1: another flop but um telepathy features now rogers right or it's and it's but it's written by sia and sam dixon and yeah. performed by christina and i listened i was like i really like this i I hadn't listened to it in a long time. I was like, this is solid. And to your point, you know, you put that Sia sensibility with sort of a disco or you put it with some you know, Giorgio Moroder to your point, more to your point. Or
0: Nile Rodgers, I guess, is really, <laughs> he's a, he's an well, icon in his own right. Well, did a song with Giorgio Moroder. Yeah more recently yeah i think because after after sia after you realize that oh like sia can do like a top line over a david Guetta track mm -hmm. and make this droning electronic music sound so interesting because Mm -hmm. she just she just comes up with melodies on top of these droning tracks that you would never you would never think it truly takes a special talent to hear Mm -hmm. in your head right Mm -hmm. the way that she writes those those melodies Mm -hmm. she just kind of hears them in her head and she spits them out right yeah um, but that was something that was so not in the mainstream to think that you yeah. could you could create this on yeah. top of uh, well, you know, an electronic loop basically. Exactly.
1: And I think so just to kind of like round that out and close it out, it's like the album, to your point, is not as bad as I remember it being in twenty ten, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think it really was ahead of its time for for everyone involved. A little bit. Um yeah. the Sia songs are still my favorite, but I, I love the deluxe edition tracks like Monday morning, Birds of Prey, Little Dreamer. Those are those are the electronica ones we were talking about. Um, I think where it what we see here is the importance of the artist, the vessel through which you know, sometimes when you're ahead of your time, sometimes it's because like it's an imperfect an imperfect vessel that's carrying the message. <laughs> Right, and I don't yeah. think Christina because
0: obviously at some point someone is able to break through with yeah. something new, yeah, which then is able to are able to, to communicate it. Yes, like like unfortunately, like, Christina Aguilera could not do that. Christina with Aguilera
1: this. was not Rihanna, you know, because yeah. I think Rihanna did for Sia what Christina and Sia were trying to do for themselves, and and I mean, like you yeah. look at it like bound to you, Rihanna,
0: man, Rihanna broke like Calvin Harris too, and
1: like. It's. I think it's because, but I think it's because Rihanna. Well, there's an interesting human saxophone, Rihanna. You know. Well, I think because it was such a, it was such a radical vocal departure for someone like Rihanna, because like, I don't know, like I didn't know she could sing like she sang in Diamonds, and even Sia talks about how like she had she had them have to like, I think, break open the stems and show her that like that wasn't her voice. Mm-hmm.
0: On it because, yeah, like yeah. I was saying, right? And so, I mean, and then and even with, it, the, I always knew Rihanna could sing, but I don't think that her voice sounds traditionally pleasant. True, but uh, I but I think that that's, that's adds where to it. I think that's where, it, where where Sia songs work mm-hmm. for someone like Rihanna is that because the phrasing is so strange, because the lyrics are so strange, yeah, because the melodies are so strange. The strangeness of Rihanna's voice is right at home. Yeah. But I, in the but, way that yeah. don't ever let me catch Rihanna trying to sing um what is that? I have nothing. Absolutely. Or Hero. Hero, she like did which is cover, cover did. of hero. Well, Hero was terrible. like her first
1: song like that she did on a talent show. <laughs> talent show and I'm like show. terrible. She, that Never getting But but I think that's I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like it was the right it was the right thing through the wrong messenger, I think almost. Yeah. Like the intentions were good, but I don't think Christina Aguilera had the clout and the cachet and even to be honest sort of the editing and the taste level to really yeah, I think it's, communicate a, it's a big that. editing
0: and taste level thing for and Christina, I think with Christina sure.
1: it's like the, her taste level is just not there and I think that
0: yeah I think her taste level I think she has eclectic tastes that she that are good but mm-hmm. she does not know how to curate she
1: doesn't know how to curate and 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 she doesn't yeah, she doesn't know how to curate. And I think what's interesting, you know, we talked about like how how maybe Christina doesn't get the credit for like, you know, being one of the first, if not the first, pop collaborators that Sia had. Um, but it's interesting that in Sia's Wikipedia entry on the period where she began pop songwriting in earnest, which includes Bionic, and even in the NPR profile that I mentioned about the influence, the collaboration with Christina is never mentioned at all huh. by either of them. By in not not on Sia's. Um, It is in Christina's, but not. She's not even. It doesn't even come up in the NPR article about like how, you know, that was really her first. I mean, Sia's first collaboration with Christina was on Bionic, but Bound to You was nominated for a Golden Globe. Like it was getting critical. I mean, Golden Globes being what they are, it's fine. But you know, it's it's not it's not the same as a Grammy. Golden Globe winner Pia Zadora. Yeah. Okay. Look, you didn't have to undercut me that way. But (laughs) but you know, I just I think it's. It is interesting, right? Because I think it was such like a I think part of that is just the Christina Aguilera of it all. I mean, I I I like I even listening to Lotus, which came out 2 years later. Um that's a really uneven album, but like I I love the stuff that she does with Sia, Blank Page on that album. Very good. Yeah, Your Body, I know it's not by Sia, but Your Body, I kind of like that song still. Like there's some songs yeah. I, I, you know spending time like researching this i realized like i love there's a lot of good christina songs that i like i just hadn't really spent some time with her in a while but they're just so all over the plate they're all so different yeah. they're like so different and the same it,
0: it, they don't really create a great album no and i like, was and just you, thinking yeah. about like so lotus was a great album too but on bionic this song you lost me the next track is the song I Hate Boys, yeah. which is like, isn't that the M.I.A. Is that the M.I.A. track? I think so.
1: No. The, uh, well, yes. Oh, I, I don't remember. There's, oh, no. No, M.I.A. track, I think, might oh, be the no. other one. The one further up. Um,
0: but it's it's just funny because you lost me. Elastic or something. This, you, Lo- you lost me, penned by Sia, this mm-hmm. very sensitive, soaring ballad, mm-hmm. is followed up by eight I Hate Boys, which I'm having my ear right now. It sounds like an outtake from Back to Basics. Yeah. Like it's just all
1: over the place. So it's got a
0: very, like, are you ready for some football drum beat to yeah, it?
1: Yeah. Did, <laughs> did Will I Am produce that too? I don't know.
0: Yeah. And it's just so weird. So even if, okay, you want to put those two songs, disparate songs on an album together, why put them next to yeah, each other? Yeah.
1: Why are they next to each other? Um, I still don't understand why all the good, like not why all the good songs, but why such really good songs are in the deluxe edition only because I hadn't really heard them. Like even as a fan, I hadn't really, I, you yeah, know, I, I kind don't of think anyone left,
0: liked them at the time. I, no. I get the, I got the feeling like her label did not like any of those songs. And I feel like she
1: also just wasn't confident enough as an artist and where she was to really push for, She not just not confident, but I think like, you know, we keep talking about the taste. I don't know that she knew which ones, even of the ones that she really liked or that really expressed her artistic vision for the album were mm-hmm. the ones to fight for. And so th- yeah. I think that's that's the frustrating thing for me with Christina because yeah. I think that she has she has good taste in terms of her interests and it's broad but like her she's in, unable to really bring that forward. I mean even just this year Mulan came out and she re-recorded the Mulan song Reflection. So 20 mm-hmm. you know Twenty something years later, um, she jumps to eleven within the first line. Like there is an unnecessary run all the way at the beginning. I'm like, why? Like save it for the end. Have you learned nothing in the last twenty something years? Like it's. it's she just wanted to show
0: something more. She, she's you like, know, Look, we talked about Mariah Carey, re-recording to uh, "Merry Christmas to You."
1: It's just, she's she just still wanted over to here. show that she still got it. Yeah, I mean, she's still like I I. I can sing better than all of you, you know? And it's like, well,
0: we know. Yeah, I mean, just, that's always, that's always been the thing with Christina Aguilera, yeah. right? Is yeah. she, she, she's a show off. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. she's got it. She, she wants has to the know pipes.
1: It. Oh, oh, another song that you should listen to if you haven't from Christina, which is good, I think, and really uses her vocal is Haunted Heart. It came out last oh. year. 2019, October, it was from the Adams Family movie soundtrack. There was like a new animated Adams Family movie, which I had no mm-hmm. idea. But Haunted Heart is like a, I put a spell on you sort of type of Halloween-y soul bluesy song, which I think really uses her voice perfectly. Like if she did more songs like this, it's like between
0: that and Poor Unfortunate Souls. It's like I put a spell on okay. you, Poor Unfortunate Souls. This Haunted Heart song, it has a... a- it has like a back to basics part 2 kind of vibe to it. <laughs> it does. It does. It's it's it seems very New Orleansy to me. Yeah. There's but, something uh, about Christina Aguilera's voice that harkens back. It it really does harken back to that era. I think I think like, she
1: should stay in that era sometimes because I think that some, <laughs> some of her cuz like I I like truly listen to Haunted Heart, I really think like she should do more of this. <laughs> cool. Okay. <sighs> so, and that's it. All right. You know, we went way over on
0: our time today. This might fully get split up into two episodes. (laughs) Oh, God. I Um, don't know. Yeah. That whole Britney, I'll see what I can do with Britney. I kind of want to include the whole thing. I don't think I said everything I wanted to about Britney Spears. I'm fairly certain. I left a ton of conspiracy theories out. Oh, God.
1: I want to know more about, like, just how did it even happen? Like, Christina reached out to Sia how did Brittany get connected with Sia? How did that happen? Like what, what I mean, did she at, hear?
0: I mean, I think that Brittany, I mean, I imagine that Yeah. one at that point in time, Brittany is already with RCA. So she's a label mate with Christina Aguilera. Um, Sia at that point had already done like diamonds and was kind of a, uh, already becoming a heavily sought after songwriter. And at that point, I mean, britney could work with anybody yeah there were there were like there were early reports that she was working with like rodney jerkins Hmm. um none of those songs ever reached fruition um you know there were uh, uh, i mean will i am executive produced that whole album but there were a whole slew of songwriters and producers that they had on that like william orbit was on uh britney Jean, who um william orbit did uh ray of light from yeah. madonna madonna you know? yeah um so yeah i mean i i feel like it's funny because in that Christina aguilera always seems to have a level of agency in terms of like well i really like this type of music i wanted to work with these people da 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 you never get that same sense from britney yeah yeah i i, it, yeah. I would assume that there was just uh, a cattle call of songwriters and producers that came through to work with britney Regardless of what Britney thought of anything. And Britney would just listen to things, say, like, I like that, I could do that, or I don't like this. You I know? mean, it's a, instead Brit- a yeah. Instead of Britney being like pinpointing, like, I wanna work with this person and yeah. I wanna work with this person. Or I wanna have this It's phase kind of in like, because you get that sense a lot that there's always producers that are reportedly working with Britney. They're like, yeah, hey, I wrote a track for Britney. I wrote a track for Britney. Almost none of them make her albums. Yeah. And you get yeah. that sense of like, this isn't a targeted. Britney taste level thing this is a record label cattle call of just you know a train of different songwriters trying stuff out for Britney and we'll see what sticks yeah um a tale of two machines two machines I mean one of them's almost out of gas I'll leave you to decide which one that is (laughs) anyway um Is there anything else? No, except for our special thanks. Oh, who's that? Let me go back to the Google Google uh, Google sheet. Okay, summation. What have we learned? Nothing. Nothing. Special thanks. Intro by Jason.
1: (laughs) Special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry. Oh. Oh, my cat. (laughs) She she stepped on and she changed my...
0: Okay. All right. That would be great if we could if we had video if we had videos of these episodes and you could just see what happened it was great.
1: Special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice if you have not died in your chair from ext- like the length um of these episodes but check <laughs> us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebookcom flopredeemer and email us at flopperdeemer.the <laughs> Uh, email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com
0: perfect print it <laughs> i love it